Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, and once again, I'm with my good friend Micah. He's uh, a young man, and I am not an old man, but I'm not young. <laughs> How's that for not claiming to be old? You know, when, when I was younger, I claimed to be old. Now that I'm getting older, I'm claiming not to be as old. So I, I don't know what happens. I think our minds go crazy. But uh, I, I appreciate talking with Mike. He's a serious young man, and I think as he loves God and he loves people, that God will use him tremendously no matter what he chooses to do in life. And so my encouragement to him and all young people is you need to know God. Mm-hmm. And when you know him, you can walk with him and love him. And he had a question um, in the last podcast, and I would invite you to go to Relate365.com and listen to the other podcast so you can get caught up if you'd like. But he was talking about a verse in First John, and uh, I'm wondering if you could read that verse again, and then I will talk a little bit more about translations. Mm-hmm. And, and it, maybe I'll talk about it first. Okay, a translation. Remember, the Bible is not given to us in English originally, so it needs to be translated. And in the New Testament, it's basically Greek, in the Old Testament, it's Hebrew, but you have to translate it into the language of the people. Some people think, um, you know, this version is best, that version is best, Mm -hmm. and um, do you have a favorite? Um, Not really, honestly. Um, one of the ones I used to read all the time was the New King James Version. Okay. Um, then I got a New American Standard, and now I have an NLT on my phone. I have an ESV, so yeah. I got a bunch of different translations, and it does make looking up things, just seeing how the wording is, a little, a little bit easier. It does, and I, and I love looking at different translations. Just so those who are listening, there's, there's two basic thought processes in translation. One is I'm going to translate this thought for thought because words mean thoughts. Mm-hmm. And they translate it, not word for word, but thought for thought. And, and those are the easier to read versions. Mm-hmm. Then there are those that, that are more, we're going to translate this word for word because every word's important. Mm. So I would suggest you find out what your translation is. And like you mentioned, the NLT, which is New Living Translation, that's mm-hmm. a thought for thought. That isn't a word for word. Right. It, that's an easier one to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're saying, what's the main thought here? Let's put it in English. Yeah. Okay. They're not as concerned with the word-for-word thing in that. Now, the ESV, which I use, and I think the ASV, they're word-for-word, so they're a little bit more cumbersome. And so, however, they're more concerned with how each word is supposed to be used. And and then another translation that I just introduced you to is Wiest, which is an expanded translation, is... I'm going to you know, translate this exactly, and it's so cumbersome, you're not going to want to read it, mm. version. <laughs> uh, however, it, that's got its own value in certain times yeah. as well. So I would suggest that uh, some people love, you know, they're in tradition, they love the King James, some like the ESV. You pick one that makes sense to you and read it. Start mm-hmm. there. And then when you have questions, go to various versions and read it mm. so that you can see what's in it. And if you really still don't understand it, talk to somebody who has read it and read it and read it and read it in many versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've spent the last 30 plus years, I've read the Bible through at least once a year and in all different versions. Mm. So I do know what it says in various versions, although if you pin me down, I'm not going to be able to remember which version said what <laughs> in, in some cases. And it's funny to listen to me quote a verse 
because I'll sometimes mix three versions in that hmm. verse. Because <laughs> as a kid, I memorized in King James. Mm-hmm. And then it went to uh, uh, NIV, and so I memorized in NIV. And, and as an, then I went to teach a little bit in, in NLT, and, and now I spend most of my time in ESV. So sometimes you'll get all of those in, in a quote. Yep. And you'll say, you don't know what you're saying, but no, I actually do. I just messed up all the versions. They're, they're all mixed <laughs> up here in my head. So I think God understands that. I, I still think I can get the main point um, mm-hmm. from it. Um, but you were reading in 1 John um, 5, the 18th verse. So read 1 John 5, 18 and 19 to us again. Then I want to read it in a different expanded translation to show you the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my version is the New American Standard. And so starting in 1 John 5, verse 18, says that we know that no one who was born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Okay, now let me read that to you from the Weist, and you, you spell that W-U-E-S-T. And it's an expanded translation where they just put down what it really says, even though it's cumbersome to read. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I have never read through the entire Weist, like for the New Testament, mm. because it's too cumbersome for me. <laughs> I, it, it is exact in what it says and that kind of thing, but it's not how we speak. So it's like reading something that's very old English or something that I struggle with. It's just not what we do. Yeah. But let me read the verses 18 and 19 here where it says, we know absolutely that everyone who has been born of God and as a result is a regenerated individual does not keep habitually sinning. But he who is born of God maintains a watchful guardianship over him and the pernicious one does not lay a hold of him. That's just verse 18. Oh, yikes. So that has some very good qualifiers in it to tell you what it's really saying. Mm, for sure. And that's how I think it's valuable to go from one translation to another and see what it really says. Then 19 says, we know with an absolute knowledge that out of God we are. Again, we wouldn't speak that way, but that's how it's written. And the whole world is lying in the pernicious one. So when you look at this, um, you see what Satan is called and you understand that really there's an emphasis on we know with absolute certainty that there's... In the translation you read and in mine, it just says we know. Mm. But this one adds with complete certainty. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wish they would have put that in there. But again, I think there's, there's good reason to want to make it flow a little easier so people will read it. And there might be, probably there's economic reasons that I'm not aware of. Uh, you, you make it too long, you got to print more pages. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I really would hope they never make the print smaller again. You, oh, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm getting no. older, so <laughs> please don't make it a half a point print because I can't read now what it is and uh, read on my iPad so I can get it wider and, and bigger and brighter. <laughs> yeah. You know? Anyway, I, I encourage you, Micah, and anyone else that's listening, get a couple versions that you can look at that are different and enjoy, uh, enjoy that. Enjoy discussions with people about what it means. But I do encourage you when you talk about what it means not to have a preconceived notion to try and figure out what you want it to mean Mm. Uh, read it Um, another really good resource that I like is called the biblical illustrator okay the biblical illustrator is with a program called eSword you can get it you can get it anywhere I bet but some you have to pay for it some you don't but I I like the the program eSword that I use on my iPad 
Mm-hmm. And the biblical illustrator is free with it. And I think if you have an Apple product, you have to pay for Eastward, but not much, but you have to pay some. And if you have a PC product, I don't think you have to pay for it. Mm. And I'm not sure, though. You can all check that out yourself. I, I'm not a salesman or <laughs> want to be one. And, uh, but the bottom line really is I, I use the biblical illustrator a lot because the old, 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 old uh, pastors and theologians are in there. Oh, Spurgeon and others tell you what they said about the passage. So if you really want to know what the Bible says, there's an awful lot of ways to look and figure out what it actually says, including hearing opinions, and that's all they are, because mm-hmm. God's the one that really knows what it says, of some of the old preachers that really understood the scriptures and taught them a lot, and, and their illustrations are sometimes in there, and it really gives you a better understanding of the Bible. Um, and I've said so often to you, Micah, to our class, to people who talk to me, if you're really angry with God or you're disappointed with him, you just don't know him. Mm. And part of not knowing him is really you've read something and it doesn't make sense to you. You just close it and you say, well, that's too much. That's too hard to grab. Well, go and keep looking because if you seek, you'll find. And, and likewise, with information in the Bible, if you look for it, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And it's it. God doesn't intend to um, have a mystery there that you can't figure out unless He tells you He doesn't want you to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is, you can ask yourself this legitimate question: Have you ever gotten to the point in your life where you've actually understood that you're sinful, separated from God, and put your trust in Christ? Mm-hmm. Because God promises the Holy Spirit will help you understand what it says. So if 100% of the time, you're clueless when you read the Bible. That's another question to ask. Do I really want to know what's in it? And am I really a child of God where I have the Holy Spirit teaching me as I read? Because there are times where you're just sitting in quiet, which is another key. You're not going to get this on a quickie 10-minute devotion. Mm. Yeah. So sometimes you got to sit and stare, think, journal, do something. Mm-hmm. When you came into the studio today, you had some things written down. Yep. Okay, so as you thought about it before you came. Mm-hmm. Um, our culture needs to do that. Uh, every morning, I get up very early. Uh, some of it's my age, probably, but I, I get up early, and I have a spot I go. I get to look out into the wilderness, into the woods. I get to be quiet for several hours. I get to pause and think and write and journal and, and whatever. And from that come four different podcasts, all the speaking that I do, and, and all kinds of things in life because I sit and think. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you as a young person, as you continue to develop, you need to have a spot where you can do that. You need to be intentional about sitting with no agenda other than just enjoying God and getting to know him. Mm. There's so much that comes out of it. And on the flip side of that, then, what you want to do is if you learn something this morning, and you've heard me say this, but put it in a format to give it away. Mm-hmm. So have a way where you can share that with somebody. And when you share it with them, you've actually begun to learn it. Right. And if you just keep it to yourself, you really haven't learned anything yet. So it, whether it be um, you know, the, the person you're dating or if, if somebody's married, their spouse, or for me, I do it where I do a, a daily thought people can get for email. I do... These podcasts, I, I speak to students. I, 
immediately goes into some file. Mm-hmm. And I say, boy, I could teach it this way or teach it that way. Now, all of a sudden, it's not just something I'm enjoying. It's something I'm going to use. Mm. Um, and my dad used to always tell me, once you teach it, you know it. Yep. So you need to teach it. Well, what happens if you put everything where you can teach it? Then all of a sudden, you're really thinking about it, and you're looking through the day for people to share it with. So I got a question for you. You're a young guy, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, most likely, you have many years ahead of you here in this grand United States of America. <laughs> and, uh, and our country is a, is a great country. It's fun to be a part of. I, I don't think there's a better country in the world. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, I still stand up for the pledge. I, I still believe that we honor those who fought for our freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, so I'm wondering, w- when you look at the future, you're 20 years old, you're looking at the future. If you were to say, these are things that, you know, when I look at, they're unsettling. I, I, I really am fearful of these things. Fear might be the wrong word. Unsettling might be the right word. Uh, mm-hmm. Confused might be the right word, whatever the <laughs> word is. When you look forward, you go, oh, yeah. I don't want to deal with that, Mm -hmm. or I'm afraid of that, or this could ruin everything. Do you have any of those that you you look at and say, I'm just wondering about that? Mm, Yeah. Um, Let's see, off the top of my head, I know for a fact when I was younger, um, not that much younger, two years ago, in fact, be pretty close, I was always very unsure and I guess scared might be the right word of the future and just the thought of eternity in my head um I I guess I'd probably gotten the misconception of you know eternity is like an endless looper and somehow that just really bothered me um then coming here and I think it was when you were talking about uh, eternity spending eternity in heaven with God and everything in your classes that you there were just some things you said that really cleared my mind there and just settled me down and it's something you want to look forward to and that doesn't really bother me anymore um when I was younger that would keep me up at night just wondering you know okay what is a million years gonna look like you know and that's that's just gonna happen and um that did bother me as far as now being like 20 you know I'm up here um in a relationship and I guess some things that are unsettling might be the correct word. Um, I guess just the thought of eventually providing for a family in the okay. future, that does unsettle me sometimes, you know. Um, something I want to do, you know, I want to provide for my family and be the best um, husband and father I can be in the future, hopefully. Um, and, you know, that does scare me sometimes. You know, that's a big responsibility. But it's, especially in today's culture, here, you know, with the, um, just the way politics, the way, you know, our faith is being attacked more and more and how challenging it is to raise a family in today's society. That is something that I do think of a lot, but I think it's a challenge I'm willing to accept and something I'm trusting God to guide me and show me how to do it, I guess. Yeah. You know, and if you get married, the, the, the very good part is you won't have to do that alone. Mm Mm-hmm. You'll have a partner that can help you. If you marry the right person, you've got you've got somebody in this for life that you look at and say, okay, let's get this thing done. Mm-hmm. And that alone, being committed to one another, as we've talked about before, and the idea of being committed to one another, both loving God, uh, God using your different personalities mm. uh, is really is very special. Uh, let me comment just on a couple of things. So 
years ago, your idea of of uh, future eternity being this endless loop or whatever it might be. I, I think that's pretty common and pretty normal, mm-hmm. especially when you're young, because you you like to experience all these things, mm-hmm. and you're wondering. Uh, the, the problem I think we really have is the fact that we we don't know God well enough to say, whatever you have prepared for me is going to be really great, mm-hmm. because you're God and you know what I you you created me. You know what I, and and the Bible tells us if we know about eternity, that, that, that Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. Mm. He's preparing a place for you, very specifically. Mm-hmm. Now, he's, not, he's preparing a place for me too, but it's different than your place. Mm. I have no idea what he's doing. I mean, how does God explain to you and I, humans, something that we could never actually understand? because we don't have the experiential background to understand it. Right. <clears throat> there comes a point where you spend all of your time enjoying God and trusting him. And you're not afraid of the future then, when that happens. Mm. Because you know he's the one adjusting it. Right. It would be like, I could tell you right now, my wife has 100% access and control of all of our finances. She has 100% if something happens to me and I can't make decisions, 100% of them can be made by her. I have absolute confidence and assurance that things will be done right. Mm-hmm. Not by me, but because I know her. <laughs> you know, and, and that's really, I think, where you get to for eternity as well. You realize, God, you didn't need me, you wanted me. You've told me you've prepared a place for me. You, I'm excited about the fact that for eternity, you know, you have an agenda. Mm. It's not random. It's not like God's going to say, oh, man, you know what? I created you guys, put you here, and I never thought about what we're going to do for a billion years. <laughs> you know, I, it, that's not God. It's not his character. Yeah. Uh, so, And then some people get caught up with, oh, they're, you know, they're not going to be marriage in heaven, whatever it might be. You know, let's let God work it out. Mm-hmm. Enjoy who he is. Learn who he is and realize it's not like when you step into eternity, he's going to go, okay, no more fun now. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we don't understand, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, that's one thing. And I know you're, you're moving past that already, but because you said it, there's other young people listening that might feel that way. Mm-hmm. And, and something that just uh, popped back into my mind, just remembering something you were talking about, is you said that some things, you know, we're never meant to know and, and that's okay. We will never fully comprehend God and fully know all of that. So we need to just trust him in that. And so, yep. yeah. You know, and the, 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 it might be that actually what he's got planned for us is so great, all of us would be go jumping off bridges somewhere. You know I mean, <laughs> I, I have no idea. Yeah. But again, to God, he says in his word, you know, precious in his sight is the death of a saint. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's different than what you were talking about Yeah, as a kid. And, and I understand that. But, again, God's saying, uh, uh, you'll get it. If you don't get it down there, you'll get it here. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But when you leave that place down there, you're going to realize that all that was, all that world was, was a, a battle zone. Mm. It was a war zone. It was a prepar- preparatory place for here. And so live that way. Mm. And that's what the whole message of the Bible is. That's consistent with what the Bible says that this is a place where we're transients. We're going through. Don't get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because this isn't really life. Only he can give you life, as we talked about in the last podcast, but this isn't the final straw. 
you know, mm. as we go on. Uh, the other is, is the idea of providing for a family. Let, let's go through some principles here just for the fun of it. All right. Um, are you going to end up trusting your ability to provide for a family? Or are you going to end up trusting God? Well, I'm going to end up trusting God because um, just thinking about that passage in John 15, apart from nothing, apart from God, we can do nothing. So it's not, not really up to me what happens or how much I can provide right. for my family. It's really up to God ultimately. Right. Now, many years ago, and you know, I've told you this story before, but uh, 40 years ago, my wife and I quit our jobs. We had full-time jobs. We quit them with two, you know, four of our friends. We all quit our jobs, came up here, had no money. There was nobody coming. There's no winterized buildings. Mm. We had no salary. And we just had a dream of what God could do up here. Mm-hmm. And I believe that year we made about 150 bucks a month. And it, it, even back in 1981, that wasn't great money. <laughs> and, and so here you are wondering, how am I going to provide for my family? And my dad used to tell me, you know, yeah, go do what God puts on your heart. Let him take care of you. Mm-hmm. It, it, don't go and be lazy. Don't go there and sit there and do nothing. Don't go do. What I found out, that just yesterday, I was talking to a dear friend who stopped by, and he was working with us in 1968. When I was here, he became a dear friend of mine. And so for 40 years, he was, he's been a dear friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, 54 years, actually. 40 years I've been here. And... Uh, and as we were talking, he, he was just looking around saying, boy, it's come so far, the whole ministry. He said, did you ever think it would get this way? And I said, no, not in a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're the guy that's in charge for the last 40 years. <laughs> you had no plans for this? I said, well, there's a couple things. You know, Number one, I think one of the most important things in life to do is to get up every day and do what's right. Mm-hmm. Do what's right. You know what's right today. So today I can tell you, if you don't work, you don't eat. Today I can tell you, you know, you need to love, if you're married, you need to love your spouse. You you need to do that. Mm -hmm. Today you need to die to yourself. Get up today and do what you know is right. That you can do. Mm. And then what happens is opportunities start to show themselves and God starts to lead and you're in the place you're supposed to be. And all of a sudden you look back and it's hard to figure out how you got where you are when you're 65. Mm. Yeah. Now, again, what I talked about with my buddy was, yeah, I just got up every day. I got up every day and loved God, loved my wife, loved the people, did what God put in front of me. And now it's 40 years later. Mm. And, and the fun part is everyone can do that. However, I've, I've told you, I've told seminars for business people, the, the greatest decision that was made in the early years was we work the plan we have while we make a better one. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we can't predict the future. But it doesn't mean we violate the principles. So somebody says, well, I'm just waiting for God, so I'm doing nothing. You're violating the principle of working. Hmm. Get up and work. And, and represent God while you work. Do all things mm-hmm. to represent him. So get up and do what you know is right today. And when that happens, you're going to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, and God will lead. Hmm. And as he leads, uh, in Romans, there's a passage, I forget exactly where it is, but it says that, that God's ways are beyond tracing. So when you look at that, you go, tracing is, is copying something. So when I go back and I try and figure out 
God, how did we get 40 years ago from there to here? If it's really of God, I'm going to have a hard time tracing it. Mm -hmm. Because there's too many things that were not my decision. There were too many things that were totally out of my control. Right. And, and for most of my life, I have been a passenger. And when I try to be the conductor, when I try and be the, the engineer, he says, you're not in charge. Get back in the passenger car. <laughs> I'm, the one, I'm the one driving this train, not you. <laughs> yep. So I get back in the passenger car and do what I'm supposed to do. And now, for some reason, we've covered a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. And... I still love my wife, I love my kids, I love what God's called me to do. Um, you know, people ask now, are you gonna retire? I said, from what? You know, I love what I do. Mm -hmm. And it, the bottom line when you look at it is, okay, there's, I understand that all of us, when, when you look forward and I'm going, I wonder if I'll ever get a house, I wonder if I'll ever get a, I wonder how I'm gonna, oh, everyone thinks that when they're your age. Mm -hmm. And look at me now, I'm here, I have a house, I have a car. I, <laughs> Somehow I made it, I ate, I'm still alive. Mm -hmm. And it, it may not be at the level of a billionaire, but it's not at the level of, you know, what it was originally. Yeah. And God provided. And now I have, I could fill our time with story after story after story after story of how God provided. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so, and you've heard me in class, and sometimes when I teach people go, how did you get this weird life where all these things happened? I'd get advice from my dad when I had to make decisions. Trust God. Go get up every day. Do what's right. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, you, God's got to provide. You can't provide. Nope. But when we started up here in the ministry, uh, Jimmy Carter was president of the United States. Interest rates, if I remember right, were about 20%. Um, there was no possible way to even get a house. Hmm. I thought, God, I'll, I'll never live in a house. You can't afford 20%. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, eventually, long story, just to cut it short, um, we ended up getting a loan for one and a half percent, and it was paid off uh, by people not too long down the road after we got it, and I haven't had a mortgage ever since. Wow. Now, remember, we're making 150 bucks a month. <laughs> it's not a lot. No. Well, I think by then we were making 300 a month, because it was a couple of years after we got here. But bottom line really is, it doesn't matter at this point, when you look back on it, you go, Whoa. God, you were faithful. You put on people's hearts to do this and this, and you honored the fact that you get up every day and work hard. You weren't talking about what you deserve money-wise. You weren't talking about you know, anything in that realm. You, you got up every day. You worked hard. You, you did something to honor God the way you knew that you're supposed to, and mm -hmm. then you went to sleep. Yeah. And you did it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that's all you do. And in the end... You're where you belong, and you have story after story of God's faithfulness in the end. So I encourage you. The, the idea of looking forward, the idea of providing, it, it can paralyze you, or you can say, okay, God, this is exciting. Mm -hmm. And if uh, you marry the right person, as I did, they love the journey with you because obviously my wife said, yeah, let's go. We make 150 bucks a month. We're okay. <laughs> let's do it. And you marry the right person, I think they're going to understand your heart and your trust, and they're going to have it too. Mm -hmm. And then together you have this testimony for the rest of your life that nobody can take away from you Yeah, because you trusted God. You may just stay poor too. That's the way life is. <laughs> um, I'm Dave Wager. I'm with Micah. We're here with Younger Older. 
You can get these podcasts at Relate365.com. We're here on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. We thank you for listening and hope that you'll go and join us on other podcasts. Goodbye.